Welcome to the Startup and Angels podcast. Startup and Angels connects founders, business angels, investors, corporates, mentors, and advisors through events, workshops, and an online community. Startup and Angels runs a series of networking events and over the years has gathered more than 10,000 attendees, including startup founders, angel investors, tech startup ecosystem players, and journalists in more than 15 countries across the Asia Pacific. If you are a founder looking to raise funds, connect with industry leaders, or meet like-minded people, subscribe to our free community. Thank you to Australians for sponsoring this podcast series and enjoy. Hi everyone, it's your host, Roman from Startup and Angels. In today's episode, we are very lucky to welcome two very special guests, Joel Thornton from Fondsquire and Kirk Reynoldson, the founder of Eggie. Eggie was founded by a busy mom and dad, Kate and Kirk, who like millions of others were drowning in life admin. Eggie is an app that makes managing your bills, cards, receipts, documents, and appointments easier and all in one place. Eggie now has thousands of users and a rockstar team and is backed by stellar advisory board of experienced tech founders. With Kirk today, join me in welcoming Joel Fulton, who is the national partnerships and sales lead for Fondsquire. Fondsquire is a global fintech that invests game-changing growth capital into innovative companies across Australia, Canada, and the UK. Through unique funding solutions, Fondsquire clients have the ability to access their R&D tax incentives future revenue or government grants much earlier and accelerate their growth. The topic of today's podcast is one of the most talked about in the startup community and is also a milestone in a startup founder's journey. How do founders approach their initial funding when they are just starting out with their startup? For Kirk, it all happened around a campfire. Yeah, you heard it right, a campfire. Kirk, can you share with us how did you secure your first round of funding as an early stage startup? Yeah, well, I guess it wasn't the traditional route as everyone would uh, has been down. But um, I guess for myself and my wife, we just connected with the problem. And I guess that, that short really shone through. We were at a campfire at some friend's place, all busy parents, and they related to the problem. And they heard what we were trying to do. We put together a small team and we'd done some designs and uh, we were talking around the campfire and everyone just related to the problem. And it was like, bang, we had 125,000 over here and there was like an auction, everyone was going. And so, yeah, we raised our first round around a campfire just purely from that, people connecting to the problem. Wow. And were people there investors or just people that, that just felt that they had the same problem? Yeah, there, were, there's a, there was a couple. I've got a couple of friends who are high net wealth individuals who are, um, are professional investors. Uh, but again, like I, I know we'll talk more about this down the track, but like they just related to the problem, right? It's just that was the first thing that they understood. Um, yeah, and that sort of led to the, the investment. And uh, the other investors that were there, would you then say that they were angel investors or were there some VCs as well? Oh, traditionally, like I guess at our stage, it was like we were pre-seed, so mm-hmm. we were just getting the idea off the ground. So we had a lot of um, – we had angels, depending on how you define those as sophisticated investors. But, you know, you probably class them as mums and dads and friends as well, right? So um, as a startup, there's a lot of scrapping at the start, and that's what we did. How much did you raise? Uh, we raised about uh, approximately around $200,000, like the money – that was the money that we needed to build product and um, get to a stage of trying to get it into market um, and then start to do some testing around um, the audience that we'd identified as our as our target market. 
Okay, so when when you were seeking investors to secure your first round of funding, what did you look for or how did you evaluate if they were the right fit without losing them? Was it purely because they connected with your problem? Yeah, I mean, everyone. I mean, how many how many different strategies do you hear about with funding? <laughs> like for us, like every business model is different. We we're a consumer based, a B two B to C play. So like we always knew that um, um, for us, it was around not just raising funds, but getting traction in market as well. Like really getting that consumer side of it as well. So yeah, I guess for us initially, right at the start, investors were our biggest ambassadors. You know, so we wanted to get one investors who would one use the product. Uh, and two, um, we're connected to big communities that could bring in um, so we could get leverage, you know, and, and scale and build growth as quick as we could. Okay. And and so at what stage did Fundsquire come in then? So Fundsquire come in pretty much straight away because we okay. actually registered for a um, – and, and, like, again, we get a lot of people talking to us about raising funds. And, and as I've echoed before, like, connecting to people is one of our greatest strengths. And I think – that's what we found with Fundscore. It was never about the money. It was about the people. And, you know, we uh, we come to Fundscore actually through traditional routes. It wasn't just about product. You know, everyone knows that they do a wonderful R&D credit facility, but we literally connected through an event. Um, they helped us grow, like connecting. They're the best people connectors um, that we've met in the industry. Um, so we registered for an R&D project and, um, yeah, we were lucky enough to use their credit facility. We would not be here if it wasn't for Fundscore. Full stop. Period. Wow. Joel, I can see you smiling. Can you tell me about that first meeting? Did you meet Kirk first? Yeah, so people at home can't hear me or see me giggling, but uh, I'm, having, <laughs> I'm laughing at Kirk's campfire story because if anyone knows Kirk or has ever met Kirk, they'll know that uh, that's it might seem like a strange story for a first capital raise, but it's not for Kirk. Like this guy... He could sell ice <laughs> to an Eskimo. He, uh, <laughs> Settle down, mate. Are you serious? Um, I'm not passionate uh, about ice, mate. Passionate about people's lives easier. That's um, right, the problem. <clears throat> so Kirk's actually been working with Funsquire for longer than I've been at Funsquire. So I've been at Funsquire for two and a half years now, and I first met Kirk through my colleague Brendan. Um, I don't remember the first time that we uh, we spoke, Kirk, but uh, I remember I remember thinking that uh, you were you were a very interesting person to meet on when I was very junior in my days at Funsquire, and um, we've been working together ever since. And um, I feel like it's been a, a good relationship that's blossomed over time. Define interesting, Joel. Jeez. <laughs> um, Kirk, uh, he's a very energetic guy. He's uh, he's very much a people person, and uh, he's very easy to get along with. I'd say that's what I'd say about Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see that. Is this something that you've translated in in Eggy's Eggy's culture and mission as well, Kirk? Helping people think, and not just myself, like my wife. Like we both come from high performance. I was a professional athlete for 10 years and my wife did her PhD and she's been involved in high performance teams. Um, and, and if anyone is involved in any type of team, they know it's all about people, right? So if you don't, I really question what you're doing in business or working with the team. If people aren't one of your loves and passions, especially if you're leading teams or you're trying to build something, right? So 
I guess that's – and that, like, for us – in our experience building product and putting product in market, it's no different with your customers. You've got to be passionate about people and understanding what makes them tick. You know, what, what's their problems? What are you trying to solve for them? How do you make their life better, right? So that's, um, yeah, it's always been a passion of mine. No, that's amazing. Thank you. Um, so Joel, can you please, if we're, if we're coming back on the relationship between Eggy and Fondsquare, can you please give us just a broad overview on how Fondsquare provides help two founders at the beginning of the founder's journey and what are the common issues they are facing? Yeah, so I guess uh, early stage businesses, it can be quite difficult to get access to that first capital raise or the first investors on the cap table and money in the door to to take the idea to product and the product to market. Um, and um, where Fundsquire comes in is we help businesses really take advantage of the existing uh, investment that they're putting into their business so that they can get access to more capital to continue the pace that they're going at and to invest into the, to continue to invest in the business. So, for example, a business might uh, have secured like a, a pre-seed round and they're, they're throwing all that money into development to get their MVP out. Um, a lot of that money then goes towards generating what we call an R&D credit the R&D credit is great for early stage businesses, but the problem with the R&D credit is it's a long time. You have to wait to get that back when uh, you've got a lot of things that you want to do right now. So that's where Fundsquire comes in, and that's that's where, how we helped Eggy as well, is that we can we help them bring forward the credit so they could keep up the pace and that they're going at to get to market um, by leveraging that future R&D credit to spend that money today on product development, essentially. Okay, amazing. And how how do you progress together? And so you help them at the start, but do you build a relationship over time and you can help them over time with other services as well? Yeah, I think we're quite aligned with what Kirk said before around the whole relationship piece and building a product for people that actually solves the need, which is like a big part of the Fundsquire ethos as well is that, and Kirk said it before, we pride ourselves on being uh, quite good connectors in the space. We know that <clears throat> startup founders uh, having cash in the bank is just one of the problems or one of the things they're trying to juggle at any given time. So we really leverage our partnership network to help founders solve other problems that they might have. So connecting uh, founders like Kirk with other people in the ecosystem that solve a specific problem so that uh, so that everyone can everyone can work together to help early stage businesses get what they the support they need to succeed. Okay. And you mentioned, you know, how connections uh, is important. And uh, a lot of founders, when they're first looking to raise, uh, have an issue, you know, meeting those investors, meeting the right people that can uh, help them. Do you have any advice? From me? Uh, from both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Um... I think being open to introductions, being open to being connected with people. Some people uh, sometimes might get in the mindset that they, they get a bit of tunnel vision and they're just focused on sprinting towards getting their product out. But like if they take the time to step back and, um, and be open to connecting with other people in the ecosystem, you don't know what other doors that's going to open for you down the track. Um, that would be my advice. How about you, Kirk? Yeah, I think I think the key point for me, exactly what Joel's saying, is that you never know when lightning is going to strike. Like, like, and I feel like, and that's in your head as well. Like meeting people, and I think, um, you know, you touched on it before, Joel, but like one of the biggest things that like 
you're underestimated about your product, Joel. It's non-dilutive funding, which is a massive problem for startup founders. Like, and it, it gets you. You don't just leverage the the investment that you get, but you leverage that into un, you know non-dilutive funding. And the other thing is too, like, there's another component to that. Is um, this goes back to the people thing? Is that you're trying to iterate and you've got this feedback circle that's going as fast as you can. And it can only go that fast by the amount of, like, the wisdom of the crowds. Like, you can, you need to put people in there and find the common thread of what's going to work, what's going to hit the market. And, like, that's something that they bring to the game, which is incredible. Like, so I know I've spoken to both Joel and Brendan about we might be experiencing a problem. So we use their credit facility to, yeah, invest in the product. But thinking about the problems that we want to solve when we're building out that R&D, like we, we need to talk to someone, I might say to Brendan or Joel, do you know anyone from you know, Afterpay or, you know, anyone? Yeah, 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 100%. Like, and next week I'm talking to someone who has had that problem and then we, we can sort of like do a whiteboard session together, strategic and think about it. And like you can't put a price on that, right? Like non-dilutive funding and that, that whole connection with people, that's like they're like part of your team, right? That's what makes you go fast. So, yeah, did I get off topic then? <laughs> no, no, no. That's I, I agree with that. It's very important. And you mentioned as well how feedback was important. So I definitely think that that's a point that we should mention. I want to do a small exercise uh, with you both. If you consider yourself as an angel investor wanting to invest in, a, in the next great business, what kinds of factors would you consider before making an investment decision? For me, I guess it depends on the, the stage that the business is at. So obviously, angel investing is pretty early stage. So I think being a people person myself, I'd very much be focused on the people behind the business, um, seeing how they articulate the vision, what they've done to date to, I guess, get uh, work out whether there is a product market fit, what connections they have, who they're working with, who's in the team. All of those sorts of things are, are really important from my side of things. How about you, Kirk? Uh, yeah, for me, like obviously Angel, as Joel said, it's a different stage. It's all about the person. Just to dig down a little bit deeper into the to the people side of things, um, I want to see a history of success. I want to see that they've gone to hell and back in something else in their life, um, that there's, they've had some trauma um, and they've come back and they've reinvented themselves. I want to see that. Um, I want to see skin in the game. I can't like I, I don't I hate seeing these companies that <clears throat> have got founders with no skin in the game. They've raised a heap of cash. Uh, they've got really good wages, uh, and there's no skin in the game. Like it's nearly like okay, if this doesn't work. I've got a plan B. I want to see no plan B um, because I, I know as my experience is trying to make it as an athlete and then building a company. It just you jump out of bed differently and you think about things differently and you always find a way. So. That would be probably the key variables for me when I was if I was an angel investor. Wow, wouldn't that be a really good? Yeah. No plan B then. That's that's the lesson to learn from that. Burn the boats, burn the boats, mate. Burn yeah. The boats. <laughs> so so if they have to if they had to come up with a with a pitch, and that's that's a, a point that founders um, struggle with is is coming up with the right structure. Uh, for their pitch, whether they're pitching in front of a, a crowd of, of investors. I take the example of the Startup and Angels uh, events, for instance. Um, what would you want to see in that pitch? Like, what do you think makes a pitch stand out? 
feel like the pitches that I go to are very much structured these days, but like obviously I see the biggest part for me is uh, founders addressing what the problem is and how they see their product solving that problem. Um, that's obviously step one for me is um, there needs to be some sort of natural, uh, like almost like a light bulb moment for myself when I'm watching a pitch is like, yeah, I know the problem you're talking about and yeah, I can see this product that you're trying to pitch to me solving that problem. How about you, Kirk? I think the biggest thing for me, like we've we've seen a heap of pitches and like obviously we've had done our own things with different investors, but this world just complicates the crap out of everything. And like I think that for me, simplicity means you understand, to Joel's point, you know the problem you're solving. So if someone gives you a light bulb moment, they've clearly articulated what the problem is um, and the solution, like as Joel said, like it's a, it's a simple it's a simple equation. But like to actually show and demonstrate that you've, you know, you've tested, you've you've done something, you've done an audience discovery campaign on Facebook, mate. That can cost you less than one hundred twenty dollars, and you can start getting data around what you think your target market is. That gives you evidence, right? Like there's evidence around it. Um, I, like I, I, I always see the standard, and Joel would agree to this. The standard template, like there's a standard template out there, and I'm going to rip into Canva. Because Canva's got a template that everyone just uses, and it drives me insane. Like, because because you just literally, it's the same thing, and there's no special source. Like, like I, I feel like every time we go do something, I think to myself, I just want everyone in that audience to walk away, and they know who Eggy is. They know us. Like, whatever that is, they need to they need to remember you for for what you did, right? So, yeah. Hopefully that explained a few things about Yeah, pitch. yeah. And the founder, I guess, personality really comes into place. 100%. And I know we've got a time constraint. Can I say something else? Yes. The other thing is too is that like there's different stages, but like if you've got learnings, talk about your customer love. Like why do people love what you're doing and the met, like the metrics around that stuff? Like, you know, how many – find the critical event. Like how, how many times are they doing it? What are they doing? If you've got stuff in market – like talk about the customer love, talk about what, what's not working, what's working, and then talk about what you're going to do to solve that, right? Like so really like focus on learnings. Like I think that with the templates, everyone just goes to the template and key metrics, downloads, retention, MAUs, you know, growth. No one talks about the customer, like really intimate knowledge of their, their audience, their customer and what's working, what's not working. No, that's a definitely good advice. And that actually was one of my questions to wrap up this episode, which was what words of wisdom would you have for early stage entrepreneurs looking to raise money at their early stages? So perhaps Joel? Um, yeah, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but um, our whole competition <laughs> is uh, debt over dilution, right? So yeah. there's, never, there's never been a better time for a founder to seek out alternatives than your run-of-the-mill um, equity transaction to get capital into your business. There's never been more options for a founder than right now. Um, so I would say uh, be open to those options. Explore all the options that you have. Look at your, your capital as like a strategy. Look at your capital stack uh, instead of just uh, over-indexing on selling equity because if you sell too much equity too early, it can cause a lot of problems down the track. So definitely... Uh, keep an open mind to all avenues to getting capital into your business. And also ask Joel for help, for Fonsquire for help, for sure. <laughs> and, I'm always, uh, always open to having a conversation to help. Yes. Um, 
<laughs> Kirk agrees. Um, and Kirk, um, you've shared uh, so many useful advice, but do you have maybe um, one more word of wisdom for early stage startups looking to raise money in their early stages? Um, can I can I be naughty and ask for two? Uh, yes, I, yes, I, go for it, Kirk. <laughs> I can't stress enough. I know it's always the it's, all founders look at it as the boring stuff, but your equity strategy, you will die from your equity strategy. If you don't, there's no point getting a wonderful thing in product and getting traction in market, all the rest of it, and then you're going to, if you need to raise capital and you've, you don't have a cap table to do it, you're dead and buried. You may as well not have started, right? So you need to get advice early on, especially if you're thinking about raising funds. The, only, the key point that I would make, and I guess we go back to it again as people, Everyone like like I know like everyone just talks about like the pitch decks. It's a classic example. There's templates. Everyone's pitching to investors, right? But they're people. And I know that like um, whenever we've spoken to early stage startups about raising funds, people always gets lost. It's always about the investor, the metrics, yeah. What mate? Like you engage the person or the the people, the money follows, right? So I, I read a, run, a wonderful thing from an investor today around. He invests where he like where he knows he can make the most impact, you know, with help and like helping a founding crew. But the people that have invested in us, high net wealth individual, sophisticated investors, we never even looked at them as investors. We looked at them like we looked at our gaps and we went, wow, what, like who can help us here? They naturally came to us. It was never about the money. The money comes second. Um, that's probably the one key point. Keep it about the people. Thank you for sharing. That's a very nice way to to end this episode. Before go for it, go for it. Non dilutive funding. Non dilutive funding. Let's cheers to that. Um, so to wrap up this episode, Kirk and Joel, um, I'm curious to know what's next on the roadmap for Eggie and Fon Squire. Joel, what's next for Fon Squire? Um, I guess the dream for Fundsquire is to like be the one-stop shop for, for non-dilutive funding for, for startups. So we're going to continue to iterate the existing products that we've got. We're going to continue to bring out new products, both at early stage and later stage for, for startups and scale-ups. Uh, and we're going to continue to keep doing what we're doing, which is uh, being the alternative for businesses to be able to get capital into their business and uh, to help those businesses grow and to be amazing connectors for businesses like Eggy. Amazing. Kirk, what's next? Oh, how long we got? I thought you said this goes for 25 minutes. <laughs> so um, Eggy just, we're, we're, we're sort of a bit over halfway through a program called Startmate. I'm sure everyone's heard of it, Startup Angels, Startup mm -hmm. and Angels. Yeah. We've got Demo Day in October, and we're looking to, um, we're sort of kicking off the, The seed round, I guess, the official seed round. Um, yeah, and we've got some big things around. We've got a new product release coming out. We've got Eggy Spaces. So we've really got – so Eggy at the moment, um, families have shared calendars and all the rest of it, and uh, we've had a lot of feedback. We've got a lot of people in communities like schools, uh, amateur sports clubs, you know, like professional organisers and service providers that want to create an Eggy Space to connect straight in. So um, we've got that release coming out over the next probably three weeks. So – We're all systems go ready for that one. 
Can't wait to see what's going to happen. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. So we wish you all the best, Fon Squire and Aggie, and we are looking forward to seeing your achievement in the next five years. To wrap up this episode, if you're interested in learning more about Fon Squire and Aggie, don't forget to join our Startup and Angels Online community. Connect with Joel and Kirk. Thank you so much to you both for spending your time with us this afternoon, and we will catch up very soon. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to check out our other episodes of the Startup and Angels series on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to listen to more stories of startups and entrepreneurs.